Saludos and salutations, Broncos country, and welcome to another exciting episode of Broncos Talk. I'm your host, Adan Diaz, and joining me as always is at Richie Richie. Richie, how you doing today, my friend? Not bad, but how are you doing? We had um, uh, we had a great weekend, right? Yes, we did. I'm doing fabulous, Rich, and the reason that is is because how about them Broncos, baby? We are 1-0. and oh. What a great way to start today's podcast off, guys. If you are not pumped up and just feeling it today about this win, and not just the win, Rich, and Broncos country, but the way the Broncos were in and did, like, it was kind of like a Bret Hart, the, the hitman Bret Hart type of thing for me, for those of you who are wrestling fanatics out there. It was just the execution of excellence in, in small terms. I mean, yes, there were a couple of hiccups here and there. Granted, that's going to be at every football game. But everything that the mistakes that we've been so used to seeing over the last couple of years, Rich, were did not happen. So it was great to see, good to have, good to see, just just good to have football back in general, Richie. Loved having the football. I also loved being able to kind of catch other games as well, like you know, just kind of scope out the future competition, that sort of thing. Um, so uh, I think it's just great just having football back in general. It was also wonderful getting a win mm-hmm. and. Uh, it was great seeing, more importantly, at least for me, I don't know how it is for everyone else, I loved seeing those guys that we saw go down last season, and let's just be honest, we had a number of them, to have back on the field. And more importantly, some of those guys that went down showed out and produced for us. So that's really all you could ask for as a Broncos fan. Agreed, Rich. And we have a very special guest that will join us a little bit later on today's show to talk about our upcoming game against Jacksonville. So, guys, stay tuned for that. But before I forget, I was just so excited. I almost uh, forgot to talk about our intro, Rich. So let me back up a little bit and remind everybody that are listening to us or watching us for the very first time that we are a fan-led Broncos-based podcast filling you in on NFL news, but more importantly, Broncos news. We go live every single Tuesday at 7654 on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. So make sure you guys hit that thumbs up button, comment, and share, because the more interaction we get on all the pods across the MHRT network, which is not just Broncos Talk, it's also MHRT, the flagship show that airs every Thursday at 7654, and of course, uh, Nothing Rhymes with with Johnny and Isaiah. That uh, also is 7654, if I'm not mistaken, right? Thank you. So, guys, make sure you hit that thumbs up, get notifications, subscribe, so that every time we go live... Hey, let's not forget about the neighborhood. And the neighborhood. I am so sorry. I was actually coming around there. So, <laughs> And the neighborhood, which goes live every single... Well, not just Sundays, but just before every Broncos game. So, guys, make sure that notifications are tuned on live so you get that live tweet or notification or wherever it is that you're watching us from so that you never miss a single show and you're always up to speed with everything MHRT. So, with that being said, guys, let's talk about the Giants game this past Sunday. Now, I will admit, Rich, I was out of town this past weekend, so I didn't see everything that was happening at the moment. but. When I got I got home, I rushed into my living room. I turned on the game, and I was able to see half of the third quarter and the entire fourth. And then later on, I was able to just kind of watch the entire thing uh, from the beginning. So I, I my phone was literally ringing off the hook from notifications from our our <laughs> chat at MHRT to uh, the Broncos Twitter and the highlights and stuff. And I got to tell you, Rich, 
Teddy Bridgewater is was amazing in that game. And uh, let me just say this out there for all of the people who, like myself, were or still are Julak supporters. There should be no reason why you are not behind Teddy Bridgewater, even if Bridgewater was not your initial pick. And I will admit, I'll eat crow because when I found out that Bridgewater was named QB number one, it wasn't like the greatest news ever for me. I did have my, eh, you know, maybe you will, maybe you won't. But watching him just play this past weekend, Rich, he won me over. I'm totally, I mean, I was on board already, but now I'm even more on board knowing that with Teddy Bridgewater, we're in good hands. Yeah, I mean, as a Broncos fan, you just have to basically say, look, whoever our quarterback is, we need to get behind them because at the end of the day, we want our team to win. Mm -hmm. So you hope that the the guy that our team and those coaches chose uh, steps out and shows out. And some of the things that we saw today, uh, this past weekend, rather on Sunday, um, we really haven't seen Drew do a whole lot in his career, which did highlight for, I think, some of us, including myself, who really wanted Drew Locke to be that guy. We saw Teddy do things like adjust protection. We saw things like pocket awareness, where you saw that slow drift that you kind of get from some of those veteran quarterbacks or the rookie quarterbacks that just have really good pocket awareness. It's, it's those little things that we saw from Teddy that really did kind of drive it a little bit more home for those of us who are, you know, very much rooting for Drew Locke to win that competition. And you, you did kind of see the differences there. So, uh, and not to mention, Teddy absolutely just played phenomenal in that game. So, <laughs> very much indeed. And before we continue, Rich, let's say hello to some of our lovely, lovely people in the chat. Starting off with my high prophet saying, Hey, Broncos country, we're undefeated. Yes, we are. My High Prophet, we are so glad to see you in the chat. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, the Boss, Mandungus Creevy saying, what up? What up, boss? Uh, Dave Glassman saying, evening, gentlemen. Evening. Uh, Mohammed Badri saying, Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. Omaha. Does the helmet fit? <laughs> you know, uh, I'll, I'll be, I was so kind of like doing so much last night. I totally forgot that the Mannings were doing the side podcasting. So I forgot to totally tune in, but I will not miss the next one. That I can promise you. Uh, who else we got? We got Vic saying was so good to watch some Broncos football. Hello to everybody. Hello to hey, you, Vic. How are you doing? As well. Appreciate uh, all your support, Vic. Thank you. Thank you, Vic. Uh, Travis Tarbox saying Broncos win. It's awesome to see them start off on the right foot. DB for life. Uh, and I couldn't agree more. And of course, Johnny Baki saying, what's up all? How about them Broncos? And I, I couldn't have said it myself. I'm trying to say it the way Johnny would say it, but I'm afraid I'm going to need a couple more bottles of Red Bull in because <laughs> I don't know. Matching that energy that Johnny has is I, I don't think I could I could never do it. He's that guy's lots of sugar. Yeah, lots of sugar. <laughs> lots of sugar indeed. And yeah. uh EJ coming in saying, What's up, Mo? And if you guys have any comments or questions for us, uh please put them in the chat. We'll try to answer everything to the best of our ability as we go along. Uh so if we do miss or please do not feel like we did it on purpose, we're only allotted so much amount of time before we have to uh go on the air off the air so with that being said travis tarbox making a good point saying josie jewel and aj look stout out in coverage for a change now travis is totally right rich i saw the clip where he hit uh uh what's the daniel jones and forced that fumble 
that was an amazing play. And just adding more stats to that Daniel Jones fumble <laughs> that I saw uh, the other day just made me laugh. I totally think that Joseph Jewell could be on the rebound for uh, a stellar year here, Rich. And especially when the, the middle linebacker position is starting to be a question that, you know, a lot of us were, were, were wondering going in, in the offseason whether Josie Jewell can be the guy or if he was going to get lost in the shuffle with, you know, Justin Sternot or, or Baron Browning or guys of that sort who are chomping at the bits to, you know, see the field. We saw some reasonable coverage. We also saw some pretty poor plays as well. Um, so I, I think from the Broncos, uh, I think this was a good first game to have both those guys back. Uh, Alexander made an excellent play in that backfield there against uh, Daniel Jones. And, and I think we need to give more credit rather than to kind of the coverage because that really wasn't coverage. But that was that was awareness. That was ball awareness. That was that was kind of body placement, all that kind of stuff. And that, and that really deserves uh, just as much credit, uh, if not more so uh, than, for example, like pass coverage and, and run blocking and that sort of thing. We saw a few, you know, missed blocks and some missed tackles and and kind of some other stuff there as well. But then we also saw both of those guys while they had their bad, they also had their good. So they almost like had a, a makeup play. Like both of them actually had a really, you know, a face palm moment where you kind of said, Ooh. and then, and then you, and then you turn around and a couple plays later, uh, uh, Alexander Johnson had a pass breakup right in coverage there, which was um, like, it was excellent. Like he was, it was perfectly timed. And then Jewel had one or two of those as well to kind of counter some of the poor plays that they had earlier in the game. Very well said. And guys, I got to tell you, and somebody in the chat brought this up earlier, the Vonster is back. Von Miller had two sacks in this game. His, his constant pressure on that offensive line was so great. He was able to turn around. I was, I think it was Will Hernandez. He turned him around and made it look like he ran into his own running back, but just capturing that picture frame went viral. And almost every single Giants fan that I saw on Twitter was pissed off and just saying how that their whole offensive line is so bad that their own guys don't know who to block. They're blocking their own teammates. That's just how great Von Miller is. Never mind the fact that he's 30 in his early 30s, but the man can still get to the quarterback. The man can still pressure. The man still has it. And this is exactly what we wanted to see at the very start of last year, but we were robbed of it because of a freaking injury that ended his his tenure or, and ended his season all that more likely rich but it was very 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 good to see von miller out there and just doing what von does best well i mean i actually don't think i was overly surprised because when you look at what we heard from von in training camp or, or not in camp but like you know the limited time that they had on field in the offseason uh, last year there was a lot of talk about the fact that von looked excellent and then um, Mile High Mario was on uh, MHRT uh, with the guys there a little while ago and uh, made a comment that, uh, you know, no, they hadn't seen an injury like this. Like he hadn't heard or seen of an injury like what Vaughn had, especially one that lingered and, and all that kind of stuff as well. So I think that what Vaughn had was he was probably geared up for this the 2020 season, looking to try and kind of redeem himself from that uh, kind of off year that he had. And I think he's probably just even more angry now that he had that off year because he wanted to do something about it in 2020, couldn't. And then now he's back this year. And truth be told, he was likely ready to go at the back end of last year. But given where the Broncos were at from a, a playoff uh, perspective, it just didn't make sense. 
Very much agreed. So, and uh, here's a name I haven't seen in a while, or maybe at all. Gary Lee's Palmer saying, We haven't had a vet QB in so long, I forgot what that looked like. Gary, thank you so much for joining the show. Which also, I appreciate ties, it. Thank you, Gary. Which also ties into what Johnny said. Can we please talk about the fact that Teddy has the highest QBR in the league right now? And Johnny hit the nail right on the head. He's totally right. Teddy Bridgewater leads week one with the highest QBR in the league right now, which is totally amazing when you still have Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and even Patrick Mahomes slinging the football out there. And aside from Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes and Brady had their hands full in their respective games. No, no doubt about that. But it wasn't enough. I still feel that even with that stat up, I kind of feel like a lot of people are still overlooking Bridgewater. They still see him as that bridge quarterback. And apparently not having the highest QBR in the league right now isn't news. Isn't top news for them to kind of like, you know, turn attention to Denver. It's kind of like, ah, you know, it's Bridgewater. It's kind of like they make it seem like, you know, we're, we're nothing. But, and it pisses me off because if it was the other way around, if it was like, let's say, for example, Drew Locke and Drew Locke had not the highest QBR as lowest, then all of a sudden we're in the headlines and, you know, oh, it's Denver doing what Denver does all over again. And we'd be in the headlines for the wrong reasons, Rich, is my point. Uh, we'd like to bring up this graphic of the quarterback carousel in Denver. Um, and and that's literally all you'd see on the screen right and then they play the the uh obligatory clown music in the background and then like they'd all be hip-hopping and bebopping on screen but i completely agree Uh, teddy bridgewater uh, really did show out uh this last little bit uh especially last game what was most important to me was teddy's ability to adjust things and do the right thing and move to the right play and throw it to the right guys in the right situations. Um, we, we just saw some great stuff. And then we also saw a bit of a return of Vic Fangio willing to go for it on fourth down. And as he laughed about in his post game presser, it was just a gut feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting how Fangio felt more comfortable or is clearly feeling more comfortable doing those things with a Teddy Bridgewater, and we really didn't see him do those things with Drew Locke, which, again, I think speaks a little bit to kind of where the comfort levels were respectfully. Um, We're we're getting some questions in here, which I think we really do need to get into before we start jumping over to the Jags game. And before we do that, uh, we're going to do our Mile High Mountain for the uh, New York Giants game between the two of us. And then we will bring in shortly thereafter our guest, Mr. Ty Derby. so uh, first things first, um, m- maybe you want to go ahead and uh, we'll talk about the players that we are now without and the players that we are now with as a result of uh, our week one game. So the, the first ones I'll just call out is uh, we obviously know all about the injury to Jerry Ju- Judy, uh, return back confirmed as a high ankle sprain. And they're talking kind of the four to six, six to eight kind of week mark, depending on who you hear and talk from. Uh so that'll be an interesting one there. And the one that caught me a little bit by surprise was uh, Darby uh, with the Hamler string issue. Uh, we always thought that Hamler strings only affected KJ Hamler, but instead we now have a Hamler string issue with Darby, um, who uh, I just in full disclosure, because I'm going to speed things on to the uh, Mile High Mountain thing, uh, Darby actually made my Mile High Mountain in terms of uh, on the defensive side of the ball. He really did impress me with this play. Um, as a corresponding moves, 
for those who have not had a chance to look it up, the protect the protected cornerback that we had this past week, uh, Nate Harrison, um, is now promoted to the active 53, um, which really shouldn't really come as a shock to, to any of us. When you protect a player like that, you, you really think highly of them. And uh, our very own Hall of Fame player in Kendall Hidden uh, for the uh, quarterback debacle of 2020 um, has been promoted to the active w- roster in the wide receiver room. Um, and last but not least, last but not least, um, is uh, Graham Glasgow. We I have not seen anything new on Graham in terms of where he's uh, sitting, uh, how he's feeling. He had apparently a heart issue that kind of progressively got worse as the game went on and, and was taken quite promptly thereafter the game to, to the hospital. He toughed it out and played through it. Uh, I do wonder if maybe that contributed to some of the challenges he, that he had in the game, and there, there, there was definitely a few of them. Uh, but he also had an amazing block on one of the Gordon's runs there. So, uh, you know, good and the bad. Um, <laughs> so we'll wait and see what happens with him. But worst case scenario, we're going to see Moody in there. And, and really, I'm not worried. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, Rich. And if I had to say for my, <clears throat> my high mountain, pick on the offense it's obviously teddy bridgewater i mean the man played an amazing game no interceptions just the fact that he had a little bit of a shimmy on him on that pass to albert o for the touchdown (laughs) was just i mean amazing uh the the hits he took kind of did you know they were a little bit too close to comfort but then again i i cringe whenever my quarterback whoever it might be gets hit that way uh, <clears throat> I know he was fighting for yardage, and that's totally understandable. A lot of quarterbacks do that, but right. I, think, I think every fan kind of like grips their chair a little bit, their couch too hard, watching their quarterback run for uh, for extra yards like that. But got to give Bridgewater credit. He played a really amazing game. It was incredible. Two touchdowns. Melvin Gordon was a really close second for me because that 70-yard dash for that touchdown run was just completely amazing. Uh, that the, the offensive line finally basically it was kind of like what I called it uh, last week the Giants defense was good on paper but the best way you beat any good defense is you wear them out and that Giants defense was worn the hell out going into that fourth quarter Bridgewater and that offense did an amazing job just stretching that third what was it that third quarter where they had the ball for almost like eight minutes and it, I mean it was just amazing uh, the, the execution was just incredible by Bridgewater on that so front. I, I had um, Bridgewater and Albert O on my offensive side uh, on that long run uh, from Gordon. Um, the seal on that last part of the block was Albert O. Uh, mm-hmm. And that is a continuation of what we saw from Albert O in the blocking game uh, in the preseason, uh, in the last preseason game where he had another block like that. I, if I'm not mistaken, it was also for Gordon in the last preseason game. Where he sealed that edge, so it was a you know we'll call it a little bit of deja vu on the Giants. It was on the left hand side of the field, and on here it was on the uh, on the right in the preseason game. So it's it's super interesting. And on the defensive side of the ball, there, there was a few players, um, some of them with ups and ups and downs. So I kind of moved those guys aside because it you know good and bad kind of cancels you out from the Mile High Mountain. The one guy for me that really stood out, like I said earlier, was Darby. I thought he had some really 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 solid plays, and I think in part that was in stark contrast to Fuller, who got burned really badly a bunch of times. And much like uh, we saw from uh, Fuller, we saw a few plays where Sitain, uh, particularly in the uh, slot area and that kind of center part of the field, 
uh, he had a few challenging uh, coverage uh, issues, including that uh, that long run there. Um, so, unfortunately, I like to see both of those guys do better, but we have lots of season left to play. So, I have uh, all the confidence in the world that we'll see some improvement. Yeah, I have for Kyle Fuller. I did see those those points you talked about, Rich, but he made up for it in that very final play where he was able right. to get the ball out. So, I think for Fuller, it's just gonna be it's gonna take him a moment for him to realize that he's not playing in Chicago anymore, even though uh, opposing him is Callahan and, you know, Fangio is on his team, not as a defensive coordinator, but as the head coach. So for him, I just think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to kind of, you know, just get the feel of, okay, I'm not in Chicago anymore. I'm in Denver. And in Denver, you know, they, they do things a little bit differently. So right. he, he's going to come right. along just nicely. So I'm not really worried about him. Uh, but so for my- before, before we cut over to the guest, I'd love to hear from all of you, uh, both uh, during the pod and after the pod in the comments, uh, who made your Mile High Mountain for the Giants game? Uh, offense, defense, doesn't matter. They can be blended together. Love to hear who you guys had uh, as your kind of top three guys uh, from this past game. Um, and, and of course, you know, Gordon really ought to be brought into that at some point with uh, the way he played as well uh, when we saw kind of what he did. Generally speaking, he, he he played quite well, so you know he could very well make that list for for some. So, interesting to see what you guys say. Yeah, I, I was gonna say for my uh, defensive pick uh, was obviously gonna be Von Miller. I mean, I'm a huge Von Miller fan, always will be, and it was just great. He's seeing him get to the quarterback, and even though he didn't get to sack him every single time he got back there, he was able to put pressure. He was able to get a hit here and there. He got some tackles in there. It's just. Vaughn being Vaughn and that's just his energy is what this defense needs that even when a play even when a, a drive didn't go the Broncos way especially when the Giants marched down and they they had a scoring drive Vaughn was able to be the guy that got kind of like hey you know keep your head up don't don't let this get and the Broncos defense did their job from beginning to end yeah they let uh Daniel Jones run in for a touchdown but I did say last week as well that the Broncos were going to allow a garbage time touchdown and it, it did matter. The game was over by that by that uh, moment. So uh, kudos to the defense on playing a really, really uh, good game. <clears throat> so with that being said, guys, we're going to... Sorry, we, we, have our, we have our just the one comment that's come through here. Uh, the, the first kind of, we'll call it a twofer um, offense here was... Uh, uh, was Gordon and defense was Darby for uh, Avatar's uh, Mile High Mountain of, of two. Uh, I think those are b- both great picks personally, and and it seems that uh, Avatar and I uh, are in a lockstep on the defensive side of the ball in terms of how well Darby played. Uh, thankfully, we have uh, some news here from uh, uh, the boss man, uh, Mandungus here, that it's basically a short-term IR stint for uh, two to three weeks or so, and we should expect Darby back. Uh, I think you're about to announce our guest. You want to go ahead and take the honors and we'll bring in uh, Mr. Ty Derby. Yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, this man was actually on our show uh, about a month or so ago when we did our our superstar highlight for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he was kind enough to come back and be a guest as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Ty Derby, super fan of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hey, Ty, can you hear us? Yeah, hey, how's it going? Hey, Ty, welcome back, my friend. How you been? Hey, not too bad, man. Just uh, getting back from Houston yesterday, so uh, recovering from that week one beatdown, but besides that, doing pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, uh, you know, Richie and I were talking a little bit before the show, uh, and we want to get your thoughts uh, since you bring up that, that Houston game. How did how did you feel watching Houston go out there without Deshaun Watson, mind you, and just put on uh, a clinic? Where do you think the the Jacksonville Jaguars let you down the most on the offensive side or on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah. Um, if you're my completely honest opinion, the defense I knew heading into the year had a lot of you know had a lot of holes. Um, from last year, obviously, you don't lose. You don't go one in fifteen. You know, if you're a good defense, um, a lot of turnover on defense. Um, I guess we'd say let me down per se. Probably the offense. Um, obviously, I know it's Trevor Lawrence's first game. I'm not panicking. You know, it's his first start. He's a rookie. Peyton Manning won three and thirteen his rookie year. I mean, I'm just saying, like, it's. I'm not panicking yet. Um, but just the way the offense looked, their execution was horrible. The play calling, they looked lost. They looked confused. Um, you know, they were getting 12 men in the huddle, happened twice. Um, they were running their own routes, dropping balls. So, I mean, it was just the offense looked way out of sync. Um, their communication was off. So that to me was the most alarming. Not so much they lost. Um, it was just the, it was the way they looked when they lost. They looked completely just lost on the field. If you know my just blunt, honest opinion. Mm-hmm. So, so basically, what I heard there is, it's not so much that you lost. You you, you assume that there's going to be growing pains as you bring in a, a new rookie quarterback sure. on a team that, <coughs> uh, pardon me, obviously won't be able to retool all in one year to get back to you know a a, a form of winning football. Mm-hmm. But what your point is is that. You know, twelve men on the field is basically a coaching problem, generally speaking, and Correct. and and looking unprepared is also often pointed by most, at least, as a coaching problem. So it's the it's the how you lost, not that you lost. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. It's um just one of those things where, like I said, I'm used to the losing. You know, like that is not that is not so much um what the problem was. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Brandon I understand Gonzalez. it was our, uh, our coaching sorry. staff's first game. I understand all, but at the same time, it, I, I just, it, they looked. Uh, I think we're losing. We're, yeah, we're having a connection problem there, Tyler. Yeah. Oh, are you there now? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, Brandon right. One second here. Gonna... Yeah. Uh, while while uh, Ty gets his uh, connection issue fixed, uh, let's go to, uh, to his comment by Brandon Gonzalez saying, we will definitely give Trevor Lawrence a hard time. He uh, Brandon predicts that Von Miller will have three sacks this coming Sunday's game. And you know what, Rich? I totally, I can actually see that happening because from what Ty was just telling us, it kind of seems like Jacksonville is not going to have, uh, oh, there he is. Sorry, hey, 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 hey bud, how you doing? <laughs> good. It's good to see you. Uh, so I don't know if you heard the the comment I just read uh, from Brandon. He says we will definitely give Trevor Lawrence a hard time. Von Miller will have three sacks. Yeah, I I, I don't. It's hard for me to, to disagree with that with what I saw on Sunday. Um, our, I heading into the year, the the offensive line was a pro, was a concern for mine. Um, Lawrence, you could tell, had a bit of happy feet. At Clemson, you know, he's used to, you know, having that clean pocket. You know what I mean? Playing with elite talent. Well, here in the NFL, you know, the pocket was 
dirty Sunday, I should say. Like he had people in his face or his, you know, ankles all the time. You know, it was in a, he didn't have a clean pocket most of the time, and you saw that with the three interceptions, um, couple sacks, and he was just always on the move, making bad throws on the run. Um, like I said, I'm not all out. All my goodness is disaster. It's just. I, I, I was a little surprised that they were they looked that unprepared, I guess, if that's the best way to say it. It was just a little more disappointing, but I mean, it's only week one. Um, but the coaching, I, I would say the coaching, I, I was always skeptical of the Urban. I was, I'm trying to be hopeful, but there's stuff about him and stuff you hear in the media reports coming out that the players, he's rubbing the players wrong already. You know what I mean? He's done some stuff off the field with some questionable hires and stuff. So I'm more concerned, you know, with what Urban's doing and if this if he took something that's too far over his head, quite frankly. I don't know. I mean, it's too early to say that, but I, I just hope it doesn't, you know, implode down the road. So I have a quick question on that, and then I'll bring in another question we have here, another comment. Yeah. Um, do you think that that might be in part because, again, this is not meant as a slight. This is just meant as just kind of oh, laying out what's happened the last couple of years. In Jacksonville, there has not been a lot of winning in the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. And so you may have a, a fair amount of players or number of players on your current roster that have not, they don't, they, they don't necessarily know exactly how much work needs to go into winning in the NFL at the NFL level. So do you think that Urban is basically, I mean, he's winning, what, the winningest coach in all of college football, basically, or at least one of them? He's won so, a lot. Yeah. I mean, he's won yeah. a lot. Yeah. So, so, I mean, with Urban's kind of, background and just how he's done things at the college level and what his you know his expectations might be here and the players might be kind of thinking down here do you think something like that might come into play or are you hearing not that as a general comment but more of uh personality and being kind of crass or or you know rude inappropriate whatever like you never were doing you've seen and a lot of this stuff is like you i've seen like just reports in the media like how um there's been some com- I mean, again unnamed player you know so it's hard to tell what's really the truth and what's not you know reports right. are out there but there's enough smoke there where it makes you at least question there, there's maybe some going on there where he you know he doesn't have a lot of patience you know he's maybe running it kind of like um which like a college program, which is understandable because he's been a college coach forever. He's never been in the pro. So I understand if I, if I did something for 25 plus years, yeah, I'm probably going to have a lot of those same tendencies. So that's not the part that so much bothers me. Um, right. I just hope he doesn't get burnt out. Like I was at the game on Sunday. I'm just looking at his face and stuff. And I could, I'd see on Twitter, a lot of the media and stuff we're saying on TV and his face looked like he was just like um, shell shocked almost, you know, like he looked really stressed. And what's concerning to me is that his last two jobs in college, he left due to health reasons, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm just hoping he's like, I said, I know that this is going to take a year, you know, some years to get going. It's not going to be instant fix. I mean, I'm loyal to my team as all get out. So I'm not frustrated in the fact or anything with what happened. I just know it's going to be a, a long road. I'm just hoping, I'm hoping urban is in, you know what I mean? Has the ability to do that. That's probably my biggest concern out of everything mm-hmm. is just, the way they look so unorganized and the way he looked kind of like shell shocked. But again, it's week one, all that being said. So my panic meter is still pretty low. You know, talk to me 10 weeks from now, you know, and it may be different, but it's week one. They didn't play a lot of the starters in preseason. So I'll, I mean, 
after watching the Packers play, I felt a lot better about us. So for whatever that's worth. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, and they have Aaron Rodgers, the league MVP. So that kind of put it into perspective for me, I guess, if you think about it. So sure. So a, a couple yeah. meet and greet things here. Uh, yeah. We got uh, the Mile High Prophet coming in uh, <laughs> with the, the Tyler chant. Uh, so wanted to throw that up on the screen there for you, uh, Ty. What's up, Prophet? And, uh, uh, we have a uh, Mary Brannon uh, here from uh, YouTube. A yep. new name. Thank you for coming into Broncos Talk, even though it's probably for Tyler and not for us. Uh, for <laughs> uh, we appreciate you being here nonetheless. Um, and uh, we have a, uh, a Johnny uh, Baki question here uh, coming in. Uh, and this is going to kind of start dovetailing into some of the other kind of topics I like us to kind of go sure. over. Yeah, which is kind of a position battle, if you will, kind of comparing our team versus the Jags and where you think we might stack up compared to you guys. Sure. Um, what do you think the strongest point of your Jags team is, and uh, what do you think the weakest is? Uh, strongest point so far, again, after one game. That being said, um, I I want to say our receivers because we have you know with uh, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, Lavisca Chenault. I feel like the talent is there. Now, there were a lot of balls that were dropped on Sunday, whether that's just first game jitters, whatever it is. Um, I'm still going to say our receivers are still probably, I'd say, our strongest point um, just because of the talent that is there that they have shown in the past. Um, so I'd say our receivers um, probably is our strongest position group as a whole. Uh, probably our weakest. Boy. Um Probably our secondary um, is probably the. But I, if, if, I, if I had to pick one position group, it's probably our secondary only because um, they're pretty much all new faces, um, and they're just. I, it's yeah, it's just probably that they're that's a work in progress. Um, like I said, they the Texans didn't have the most you know elite receivers, and they were burning us left and right, you know, for what that's worth. So. Um, I would say our secondary, I mean, our defense as a whole is going to be years in progress. We have a few players, Josh Allen, uh, Miles Jack, um, you know, we have a few names there, but for the most part, the defense, you know, is going to need another two year or two of retooling, I think, to get to that level. Um, like I said, we were one in 15 last year and I, a lot of Jake fans, you get on Jake sites and stuff, everyone's panicking, but everyone's got to remember we weren't going to go from one to 15, you know, to, you know, 14 and two, 14 and three. It, it was not going to be that quick of a turnaround, no matter what. You get a whole new coaching staff, a whole new quarterback, rookie quarterback. So, yeah, but our, I mean, our defense, like I said, is not our is not the greatest. But um, our receivers, I feel like, aren't going to drop them any balls again. So that would be something to watch for, for on Sunday. So. Awesome. And uh, Mary, I uh, appreciate your uh, your follow-up comment here. Uh, in all fairness, I was just joking around with the, the other one. Uh, but thank you very much for joining the show. Uh, we welcome any and all comments. And uh, thank you very much for uh, for always checking us uh, in on us. Uh, happy to have you here. Um, mm-hmm. Moving on to a position group, one that if, if anyone who has listened to Broncos talk and, and knows um, – I played, I played rugby, so I loved like the lines. I used to be in the scrum, so that's kind of I kind of look at that and say I could probably do some of that stuff just because it's what I'm used to. Yeah. Uh, interior offensive line uh, versus interior defensive line. Uh, I, I think that it might be one of our weaker position groups given what we we've seen both in preseason and in, in week one. 
Uh, curious as to how you feel about your interior uh, defensive line uh, on your team and kind of how you think that might they might stack up against us. Um, yeah, like I said, interior, um, we have a few new faces there because we have Josh Allen, you know, on the outside. Um, like I said, Sunday, the Texans ran for more yards than I thought they would too. Mark Ingram almost had 100 yards, a score. <laughs> Philip Lindsay had a score. Um, I felt like they got pretty good production on the ground, more than I thought they would, I guess. Um, so, I mean, just as a whole, like I said, our defense is just not they're a year or two away. That's the, I guess that's the best way to say it. So I think you guys will definitely have a good matchup there from that perspective. Um, just ba- again, based on week one, from what I saw, the Texans seemed to get a pretty good push um, up there up front because, like I said, Mark Ingram looked, you know, three or four years younger. Just based off his production, you know, he had really kind of backslid the last few seasons. Comes in Sunday, puts up about 100, you know, a couple scores, and is run- was running hard. So... I think you guys definitely have the advantage there. So I don't know if you caught or how much you caught of, of our earlier bit there, but one of our one of our best or better corners is um, uh, just ended up with a hamstring or as we like to call oh. a Hamler string issue because okay. one of our uh, one of our wide receivers uh, KJ Hamler is known for having a perpetual hamstring issue. So we've just rebranded it appropriately. The ham- um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Um, with kind of what you're saying there, I mean, yeah. our coach is known for secondary coaching. I mean, Vic Fangio, sure. if you were to if you were to kind of peg his defenses for kind of consistency, uh, secondary has got to top that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so curious in terms of how you think that you know, knowing what you know about our defensive head coach and just yeah. our defense in general, how you think you'll do? Yeah. So. From, again, from watching the game, where I was sitting at on Sunday, I was sitting third row in the end zone. The reason I say that is when we had the ball uh, with, you know, the offense on that side of the field, where I could watch them when the ball was backed up. The thing that stood out to me, I guess, um, about Lawrence, and, I, and this probably happens with a lot of rookie quarterbacks, he was staring down his receivers a lot to the point of by the time he threw his third interception, I was sitting with a friend. And it, when he was dropping back to throw, right before he released, I said, interception. Like, I said it out loud, interception. Because I could see, you know what I mean? I could see his, his head was looking right to the left, and it, and it never moved. His eyes never moved. Um, so, yeah, so being like a secondary, you know what I mean? Like an experienced good secondary, you know, that's something that, you know, is I'm looking for, I guess, looking at in weeks moving forward is if he's able to improve on that. Like I said, you see the arm talent there. He's He was the number one pick for a reason. You know, he, he would turn around then and make a throw that would just wow you. You know, the, the, the arm talent is there. He's still a young kid. But I think as far as choreographing where he's throwing to, the defense seemed to really lock on to him. Like in the late in the second, early in the third, they were really everywhere he was throwing. He kind of he became almost predictable. And yeah. I, know, I don't know if that's play calling or he was looking for his like a safety blanket. Um like I said, with that being said, there were also a lot of drop balls that were not his fault that were uncharacteristic of Chark and Chenault and Marvin. It was just uncharacteristic. So, I mean, I feel like, I feel like, I mean, the talent is there. If those guys can play at their level, they're all three extremely talented. And with Trevor's arm talents, you know, once they click, I think they'll be good. Um, but that's probably, if you want kind of like an insight from my perspective, that was something that stood out to me. 
turnovers were more because of he was choreographed. I, his head never seemed to move. You know, he wasn't looking off the DB or the safety. He seemed to just stare down. So that's, I guess, my perspective, what I'm kind of looking forward to in week two to see if that improves as far as kind of looking off the defense a little bit. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the boss had a question for you, Tyler. We kind of skimmed over it. He asked, are you surprised that the Jags picked Urban Meyer over Dable or Bienemy? Um, that, That's a good question. I don't know if I <laughs> use the word surprised. I, when all this was going on, you know, I obviously we knew we were making a coaching change. You know, I wanted someone my most important thing I wanted was a coach that'd be able to develop Lawrence because at that point we knew who we were picking, you know, that was a foregone conclusion. So I was wanting an offensive minded coach who would be able to develop him the right way, you know, to have long-term success. Um, Urban surprised me, I guess. Yeah. So I had to answer that question. Yes. I was surprised because he had said like a year or two years ago, he was never, you know I mean? He was retired. He was done coaching. So yeah, that was a surprise. Um, I was hoping like the enemy was out there, some other guys that, you know, I had some interest in. Um, and again, it's not like I dislike Urban. It's just, I, I just, you know, not having any NFL experience, how would he be able to develop Trevor? Um, just because Trent, we've seen a lot of college coaches, you know, not succeed. The Nick Sabans, the Steve Spurriers and... You know, now there's been some good, you know, the Pete Carrolls and stuff, but those are fewer and far between. Um, so, yeah, I was surprised. I mean, I sort of get it. He's a big name and he's a big name. You know, obviously his ties to Florida. You know, he's won two national championships there. Florida's 45 minutes down the road, their campus from our stadium. He's still a big name down in Florida. I get it. You know, he's going to draw people to the stadium, you know, or he, I mean, with having Urban there and Trevor, We've been talking more about this offseason just on sports shows, you know, ESPN, NFL Network, the airwaves, more than I can remember in years just because they're there, just because of the name Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. So, uh, uh, yeah, so to answer your question, yes, I'm a little surprised. I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic. Like I said, the only thing that's just been a little is is these reports keep coming out, you know, about there's already disgruntled or, you know, there's this and that. And I don't know if that's just reporters trying to stir a story up. It's just something I'm kind of watching. You know what I mean? Just trying to like, because, because I want Urban to succeed. If he doesn't succeed, that means Trevor, you know, is not, you know what I mean? That means his development is not succeeding. The team's not succeeding. Um, so yes, to answer long-winded <laughs> answer. Yes, I was surprised. Yes, I was definitely surprised. Yeah, and then uh, Jason O'Neill saying, good evening, everyone. Speaking of Urban Meyer, USC fired Clay Helton. Cough, cough. Yeah, I've, uh, I've probably had anywhere from five to eight messages in the last 24 hours that, hey, look, Urban's going to go to USC. So hey, I think that's going to be out there no matter what. You know what I mean? And again, it's nothing that's Urban, but, you know, that's, you know what I mean? He's left programs to do that. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to be out there no matter what. Um like I said, it's just the amount of reports and just in the media ever since he's, you know, since preseason just are, I guess I'm, I'm concerned, I'm slightly concerned, not panicking, but like just hoping he can be patient enough to see it through, if that makes sense. Just patient enough. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not hoping he has, and don't get me wrong, as a head coach, you want to win every game. So I'm not going to fault him for that. But I just hope he doesn't, you know, press too hard to where it's like, you know, he's, you know, expecting perfection. 
like an Ohio State or a Florida program. Because that's not how it works in the NFL, you know. He's not going to come in and just get the top recruits and just steamroll people. You know what I mean? So I just hope, you know, he has the patience, they have the right pieces in place, and they just do this rebuild right. Because this could either make or break it, you know. If this is done right over the next two to three years, we could be set up for a long time. You know, if it's done poorly or, you know, there's... It's rushed or forced. It could also set us back another four or five years. So to me, it's a pretty critical time in our franchise and which direction we go long term. So, mm-hmm. so what I'm hearing is is you're not overly impressed with both sides of the line uh, in Jacksonville. Yeah, not, yeah, not and, particularly. Yeah, and so I'm going to move to a different position group. Again, one which the Broncos have traditionally in the last three years probably is a, a fair comment to make, which is. That, that middle section of the field um, where you traditionally see uh, like your slot receivers, uh, your running backs thrown into the flat and your tight ends right in that middle section there where it's like a short kind of just kind of up over the, sure. the line's head. Um, so curious, A, from what you've seen of the offense, both preseason, now you're pretty plugged in there in Jacksonville uh, in terms of going and seeing and, and you know whatnot. And yeah. also after game one. Um, where do you think you guys might stack up in, in that kind of area of the field on the offensive side of the ball, assuming that your quarterback has time to throw, uh, given, you know, the offensive line challenges you were mentioning earlier? Yeah, I mean, and our offensive line, like I said, only, I, I believe, only allowed a, two sacks on Sunday, maybe one. So it, it was not that they were there. It's just there are some holes there. I would say they're an average offensive line, middle of the road. Um, they have some talent there, but... They, like I said, our rushing game never took off either. You know, they could never get a push. Um, as far as the middle of the field, um, we have good running backs who can catch in Carlos Hyde and James Robinson. Um, a lot of those passes actually were completed on Sunday to Chenault. Um, and that's, you know, that's short, I'd say five to eight yard, you know, passes. Yeah. yeah. He probably caught without staring at a statue. I'm going to guess five to seven of those balls where Trevor would always look for him. You know, he'd maybe look deeper down the field and then he'd, you know, boom come back to LaVisca, you know, on an eight yard, you know, out or a five yard out. Um, so I, I think we definitely have some players there. James Robinson is shifty out of the backfield along with Chenault. And you have more DJ Chark and Marvin Jones would be our outside threats more down the field. But I'm very comfortable with Chenault um, and Robinson out of the backfield. I mean, Chenault, I think, is going to be a real talent in this league. Um, just physically, um, what he can do, he can kind of play all over the field. Um, so yeah, I, that area of the game, they actually did a pretty good job of on the Sunday, in my opinion. And like I said, Trevor <clears throat> dialed it back a bit when the throws weren't there, he could dial it back and he found him a number of times. So, um, as far as tight ends go, like I said, that on offense, I would say that's probably our weakest position group only from, only from an experience standpoint. There's not, not, we do have a decent tight end in James O'Shaughnessy. He's taller. Um, can make some plays, um, but overall, you know, there's not a lot of, I should say, star power there in the tight end room. Um, so there's, they're not, there's no Darren Wallers, Travis Kelsey's, which very few are. But yeah, the tight ends were really not involved a lot on Sunday. I know Trevor's first touchdown pass was to our backup tight end, um, like on a 20 yard um, out route, but. You know, outside of that, the tight ends, you know, were basically non-existent from a passing receiving standpoint, I should say, besides the one touchdown. Right. And you know what? I have a a quick question for you, Tyler. Yeah. 
With the Broncos coming in to play Jacksonville this Sunday, sure. it's Jacksonville's first home game. Mm-hmm. How worried are you about the Jacksonville Jaguars playing the Denver Broncos? What If you were the GM in that room, mm-hmm. how would you bring, bring up this game to them in terms of saying, hey, look, here come the Broncos? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Broncos, you know, have a strong defense. You know, I think everyone in the leagues respects their defense. You know, obviously your head coach is a you know a great defensive mind, and then you have a mile high prop. <laughs> I knew, I knew that was, all right, all right. Um, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, so they, um, you know, they have a good defense. They're respected. They have players. They have a track record there. Um, so, if, you know, I was the coach or GM in Jacksonville. You know, that'd be the very first thing is, you know, how to protect Lawrence would be my number one priority on offense. You know, no matter what happens this year, you got to keep your quarterback upright. You know, you can't have his confidence shaken. You know, too bad. He can't be getting hit left and right where then he gets happy feet in the pocket. He's running around, you know. He, so that'd be my number one thing is how to keep Trevor as clean as possible. From there, um, like I said, just limit the mistakes. I mean, I... We got down early on Sunday, so that he, he was forced to be a little more aggressive with throws. So maybe try to come out, like I said, some shorter throws, work down the field, be more methodical. But I think that'll come in time too. Um, but yeah, from if I'm, I'm watching the Broncos, you have to respect obviously Von Miller, um, the entire defense. Uh, so just be on your toes, uh, protecting Trevor. I, I mean, I think it all starts there for us. Um, I guess I said I said his development is, is crucial. I you know to I think long term success. So that from my perspective, protect Trevor at all costs. So we've gone through a few questions uh, with regards to kind of from the Broncos perspective in terms of yeah. you know all right here's our group. This is kind of where we think we might have some weak spots. Where do you stack up against it? What kind of questions you have about the Broncos uh, from the Jags perspective uh, in terms of you know what we think of our team in certain areas or, or just players in general yeah um yeah i guess my one question i had saw i've, I've been seeing some of the reports is jerry judy out what 46 weeks i saw was that yes yeah yes. okay correct. okay so i guess receiving wise uh with judy out of the mix where does that lead you guys as far as you know like depth and i guess you know te- targets for teddy and such well, you guys are actually in a bit of luck because we had Trinity Benson, who was one of the most promising players in the preseason. And okay. Richie and I and most of the MHRT staff here were kind of wondering who would the Broncos have to cut in order to make room for Benson. And then okay. the following day, Benson gets traded to Detroit. So, okay. you, you know, the, the Broncos sure. answered that question for us. So if it's two things that the Broncos are, are loaded with, it's wide receivers, even with the Benson trade, and cornerbacks. George Payton, okay. our GM, did a really good job in making sure that both of those things were loaded in case somebody went down with an injury. And it, it's it's almost as if George Payton has a crystal ball in his office somewhere because nobody expected Jerry Judy to get hurt. This thing sure. with Darvin getting injured, even though he already has an injury history, mind you, it was kind of like... Like he predicted, or not that he predicted, but maybe that he saw it coming. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, Jerry Judy's going to be out for like maybe a month. Darwin, maybe the same thing as well. But we have Patrick Sertan to take over in the meantime. Sure. We have Tim Patrick, uh, who's been a really good wide receiver for Denver since his arrival here, who's going to get more reps. 
and uh kendall hilton did just get activated to the 53 man squad so he's somewhat okay. familiar with the pat Shermer scheme the other thing okay. i would look out for um is uh the denver broncos and this is my prediction if you will not necessarily written in stone we drafted sure. a young guy by the name of seth williams uh okay. i really really like him i thought he he showed modest flashes but then he was also eerily underused in preseason which okay. which some people would potentially see as you don't like him i saw it as the broncos knew that they might not be able to keep all the wideouts that they wanted and they did it on, in my opinion i think they did it on purpose so okay. we, he was one of the first guys we really brought back at the you know when we started bringing guys for the practice squad but i honestly think that your that your secondary is going to be they're in they're going to be in for a tough time because we have two really tall and reasonably fast outside wideouts. Sure. And um, Tim Patrick had some stats last year from PFF where he had some of like the fastest burst speeds on the outside and he's like 6'4". Oh, wow. He's like 6'4". Okay. So, so when you look at like, you know, the height yeah. size speed ratio, that's not good. And what makes matters worse is Sutton's faster. Okay. And he's as tall. So you have this weird blend that we have on our team with size and speed on the outside. And then we have speed in KJ Hamler, who's a shorter guy, but he's, he's, I don't know if you saw the preseason or even our last game. Um, he just blew past guys. And so he had, he had two guys that were kind of trying to, Kind of have one behind and one in front almost like bracketing them he ran around them and then got behind and then just got oh, wow. anyway. okay. so yeah I, so. I i think that um if it's one thing if i'm urban meyer and i'm sitting there talking to the jacksonville team it's beware of teddy bridgewater forget about the bridgewater you saw in carolina last year uh because that man did not show up at metlife uh this past week the Bridgewater that showed up is a whole new person. I mean, okay. if you do not get to Bridgewater, if that defensive line cannot get to him and you give Bridgewater a, a centimeter, he's going to take a yard, pretty much put it that way, because he's going to find his go-to guy. He's going to throw the ball. It's not always going to be a check down Charlie type of thing like we kind of saw in the preseason, like a lot of people thought that Bridgewater was going to be. So with sure. that... Uh, that's just me being honest with you. If your defensive line cannot get to them, and if, even worse, if they tire themselves out, mm -hmm. that offense will punish Jacksonville every time. The, the other thing that you may see from our offensive line, so not necessarily receivers per se, but what you might see is, um, you said receivers, but I'm going to tie in some tight ends in there too. Sure, absolutely. Just because they're often used. Um, I, I have to look up the size of some of your inside linebackers and your uh, DBs. But um, we have, I would say three, one of them kind of near the top end of the NFL in terms of receiving threats in uh, Noah Fant. And we have an up and comer in uh, Saubert uh, who I love. I don't know how far you go back in football and how much you remember kind of from various teams, but we had a tight end in the Peyton Manning era here in the Broncos. 
uh, Joel Dreesen. He came from the Texans, who he was with for quite some yeah. time. Oh, yeah. Um, he was a, a good receiving threat, but he was an excellent kind of inline blocker when he was needed there. Okay. Sobert reminds me of a better hands and just as good, if not better, blocker than Dreesen. And, okay. and so the problem is, is that when you're talking about defending a guy like that, you really have no idea how, how he's going to be used because no. five plays he'll be used as a blocker and then the other five, he'll run on you. And we've seen three plays so far where he's just flattened people in, in, in ball catching because he's a big body guy and he can run. Yeah, so true. when you have smaller guys in the secondary, I mean, relative to a tight end who's like 6'5 and 280 or 275, I mean, ev- everyone in the secondary is small compared to that. Sure, and, yeah. <laughs> right? It's just a fact. So, so what you're going to end up with, I think, is uh, I think we could start seeing some tight ends being used, particularly if your defensive line is not able to make it home. Gotcha. Right. And so just as, you know, I talked about the height and size of some of our receivers, if you could start adding into the mix additional height and size of some of our tight ends kind of coming off and, and whatnot, uh, that could also be a challenge as well. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, if I'm Vic Fangio and I'm talking to the Broncos defense, I'm telling our guys, you know, uh, even though Jacksonville is not slated to be the best team in the NFL, sometimes you have to not take that for granted because because it's, it's kind of like when you corner an animal, the the more you corner, the more vicious they're going to be, and that's yeah. what we could see in in Trevor Lawrence. Which and what I mean by that is, you know, don't take it for granted. There is really nothing that we've seen out of this offense that the Broncos defense can say they studied on tape, aside from what they saw in in Houston and what you told us you saw in coverage. So basically, don't take it for lightly. Don't underestimate Trevor Lawrence. Don't underestimate James Robinson, because the moment you underestimate your opponent is the moment that you can really get gut checked. And that's that's something that the Broncos uh, defense cannot absolutely not. Oh, absolutely. Do. I mean, Lawrence's arm talent, like I said, it's with all the mistakes you saw just as much as the talent was there. I mean, you know, the arm talent is undeniable. You know, he's a humble kid. You know, he was smart. You know, he took it on the chin. He took responsibility. Um, even throughout the game, even late in the fourth quarter, which I actually was really impressed by, you know, he was clapping his hands. He was trying to keep the team going, you know, down to the last second. You know, they, you know, he was, he kept going. He was trying to stay positive. He was talking to the team during timeouts. So he did a lot of good things as well that, you know, for a young kid impressed me, you know. So I think the leadership is there. The talent is there. Again, it's week one, game one. You know, I, everyone who's saying, oh, is, is a bust. Oh, but it's, it's week one game one uh, it's a long season yeah and like i said the talent is there so the minute you underestimate that you know what i mean and we do have the receiving talent the minute you underestimate that you know you know he could hit you in the face with two quick long touchdowns you know and then boom you know then it's a ball game you never know it's the nfl you know um all these guys are professionals and it's you know anything can happen any given sunday uh, how is your uh, what do you th- kind of where are you guys at in terms of your run game? Um, you said you had a challenge getting it going, but the way you kind of laid that out, if you will, it, it yeah. sounded it wasn't necessarily on your running backs. It was perhaps more on your offensive line not being able to kind of push out those lanes for your running backs to get through. Yeah. Where do you think that sits? It was yeah, I think it was a combination of things. It was. One, we got down 
early. So then it you know, forced us into more of a throwing game. Right. So that I would say that's reason number one. If I, if I had to rank like all three of the reasons, I would say that's probably number one is, is we probably got away from the game plan a bit. I'm sure, you know, being down, we got down 14 nothing pretty early. So then, okay, you're down two scores, you know, so your whole your whole game plan is going to change. And so then we couldn't get into a good rhythm, I feel like. Um, so I think that was number one, just getting down early. Um, yeah, I was a little surprised they didn't use uh, James Robinson more. Uh, we Our back was Carlos Hyde, which isn't – he's not a bad running back. You know, he's been around a while, but – James Robinson, people forget, he was the fourth leading rusher in the league last year, and he missed two games with injury. I mean, he he had a thousand. He was undrafted, free agent. He puts up, you know, over a thousand yards and was one of the best running backs right. in the league last year. So I was just surprised at how little he was used. I guess I was expecting to be well, especially after Etienne got hurt in the preseason. You know, with the ankle injury. You know, him being out, I thought it would be the James Robinson show. You know, I thought it would just be they would just you know load him up with carries. Um, and I didn't get the. I, I even looked at the statue to the final snap counter. If Carlos Hyde didn't play as many, you know, snaps as him, he maybe played more. As I mean, it was it was a good 50-50 split, which right. completely surprised me considering. You know what Robinson did last year. So, like I said, I'm not going to panic yet on that because they got behind big early, so they had to throw. I think Lawrence had 55 attempts. You know, so they were just throwing the ball because they had to. Um, so I'm hoping you know this Sunday or just moving forward, they get into more of a game plan you know, and get the help because I think help getting the run established can you know help Lawrence as well. The fact we get down so big early, well, that changes everything. So now the defense, you know, is. They know he's throwing the ball, you know, so then they can sit back, you know what I mean? And that's how, you know, he got the three interceptions late in the second and third quarter when we're down two or three touchdowns and he knows and they know we're throwing the ball. So I think that's a big thing is just getting running backs involved, get a, you know, decent drives, chew up clock and help Trevor, you know, have that play action threat there. Like I said, I was, I'm hopeful that Robinson will be a help to Trevor as far as, you know, to take the pressure off him. I mean, you never want to see your quarterback in most scenarios throw for almost 60 times. Like, you know what I mean? 60 attempts. That's not usually winning football, usually, in most right. cases. So I, I think that's the biggest thing is getting the running backs more involved early on so he's not having to throw so many times, I guess, and then, expo- you know, expose himself to turnovers. Right. Well, the other thing to keep in mind is with teams that have better pass rushes, um, particularly like the Denver Broncos and, and uh, you know, there's some other teams in the NFL that have some, you know, equally or reasonably talented pass rushes. Uh, every pass attempt that you force your quarterback to do and make is an opportunity for that pass rush to get home. And as a young quarterback, a guy that's just coming into the NFL, the last thing you want is to introduce the, uh, the shell shock uh, exactly. Yeah. Of, of the, or shall I call it uh, a Sam Darnold effect of yep. seeing ghosts? Right. Um, it's a real thing. No, it is. It's it's a it's. I yep. mean, everyone likes to joke and laugh about it. Yeah. But it is, it is a real deal. Uh, oh yeah. And, and the last thing you want to do is to take a number one overall pick who has clearly shown some modest promise in and out of that game, leadership skills and other things, and put him through the ringer like that, and then have him sure. come at the other end and not be able to produce, not as a result of lack of talent or ability, but because you didn't do the right things to protect them. And I'm staring ahead too past you guys, week three, we have Chandler Jones and JJ Watt coming to town the following week. And you saw what they did 
to the Titans on Sunday. Turner Jones had five sacks himself. So, you know what I mean? So, so the next few weeks, you know, I definitely have my eye on that. You know, the Broncos having a formidable defense. And, you know, with what the Cardinals did on Sunday, you know, that's just, you know, like you said, I'm hoping, you know, like that's a priority. You cannot expose Trevor. You know, like you can't just have him out there, you know, to basically, you know, throw him to the Wolves in the essence, like you're not protecting him. He's having to throw 50, 60 times a game, especially against those type of pass rushers, the Von Millers, the J.J. Watts, the Chandler Jones, the elite of the elite, where, yeah, you said you could shake his confidence so bad here in these next, you know, three to, you know, the next month to me is crucial, you know, that, that it doesn't trend in a more of a downward direction because like you said, you never know what that could do to a young quarterback mentally, you know? Um, I mean, he, sh- Lawrence appears to have no signs that that would happen, but you never know. You get hit enough, you know, you get sacked five, six times a game. You start getting kind of jumpy in the pocket, you know, you start doubting yourself, you, you know? And so, yeah, that's my biggest concern if you would have asked me even before week one, his protecting Trevor was my number one priority this season was keeping him upright and not having his confidence shook. That's kind of been my biggest concern ever since we drafted him, to be quite honest. 100%. So. I, I was going to bring this up. We're getting near to the back end of the show here. Yeah. Um, and obviously we would be remiss. We got to start getting into scores before we end Broncos talk here. Um, now, I'll go first as to not put Ty on the spot because th- that's just not fair. Uh, yeah. You know, if but nothing else, I will give Ty some time to think about this after sure. kind of going through all the Broncos stuff here. So um, my score for this, and I'm, I'm trying to be kind, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be blunt about this. Please. Is I actually see this game not going particularly well for your Jaguars. Um, I, I'm I'm leaning more towards a, a 31 to 9 victory for the Broncos. Um, I, I honestly truly believe that with the combination of the way I saw Teddy play the last game, yeah. which was, I mean, he's got the highest QBR in the league right now. Sure. And some of the things that I saw from the Jags game, which by the way, I did watch. Um, I, I think that your team's going to have a real deal, legit struggle, even with the fact that we've had a few injuries after that last game. Oh, and, and and I think that, that there will be a legitimate struggle with a Vic Fangio defense which let's be real has had Patrick Mahomes look rather pedestrian even last season. So I, I'm I'm going to a 31-9 as as my score for this game, which would put yeah. you guys with with uh, with three field goals. Sure. Yeah, I'm going to say 40 to 10, and that that 10 is friendly because I think that once, like any team, the defense starts to kind of take their foot off the gas in terms mm-hmm. of like, okay, you know, march up the field. Kind of like what the Broncos did with the Giants. If it wasn't for that one offensive touchdown drive that they had, that very last one would have just been the only one that the Giants would have had. Uh, so, I mean, like uh, my high prophet <laughs> kind of put it, says if the Texans can put up 37, our Broncos can put up 80. <laughs> now that's, obviously that's overdoing it much. Uh, but I can see the Broncos putting up half of that, so I'm going to say yeah. 30 to 10 is my boy. Point. Yeah, I hate to pick it. I mean, like I said, I'm obviously loyal to my team 100. Uh, percent But if you're asking for my, you know, my real honest prediction, um, I mean, I'd be a miss to you know say, oh yeah, Jags. You know, I mean, I, I would just I would be a miss to say. Now we're at home, so maybe that'll help. Um, but I mean, if you're asking my honest prediction after Sunday and then and then after watching what your Broncos did. Like I said, your defense is a concern. There's no, there's no way 
to say it otherwise. We have to respect the defense and what they've proven over the course of years. Um, yeah, they the Jags just really – I mean, they came out, and I just did not expect that at all. So my score may be way off, but yeah – I haven't seen the spread if we're favored or not. I would assume we're not. Um, Six and a half points underdogs last night. Underdog, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would say yeah. If I absolutely had to pick, just based on what I saw from last Sunday, I'd say the Broncos. Ah, man, I'm really bad at scores like this, just because I hate to say anything, you know, against my team. But uh, I'd say it, it, if it kind of plays out similar to how we played Sunday, yeah, like you know, I'm I'm not afraid to say Broncos are probably going to win by you know at least several scores. Um, as far as that, I don't know if I can hammer down to like is there a score per se, but yeah, I I feel like we'll put up. I, I I will say this. I feel like we'll put up more than probably nine or ten points. Now it may come in garbage time, mind you, but I feel like there's at least. I think we'll put up some points, a little more than nine or ten, maybe seventeen, um, maybe. So I'm if I had to guess, I'm gonna say thirty seventeen Broncos, twenty seven seventeen Broncos. I mean I'm I may be generous. It could be worse. Like I said, I um I always hate to pick against my team, but if people ask for real predictions, you know, I, I it's not dissing my team. It's just, you know, being blunt honest, you know, on how teams match up. It's not I mean, I, I root for my team no matter what, but at the same time, you know, it, it's it's hard to it's hard to see what I saw Sunday and be like, Oh yeah, we're gonna go, you know, back home and curb stomp the Broncos or any team for that matter. Um so yeah, I would say you guys definitely have the edge. There's there's zero doubt about that in my mind. So uh, we, we have to go through the scores. It's, it's a kind of a tradition at the back end of these shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ty, I, I understand you may want to close your eyes or look away. I, you've been warned. Um, some, oh, of no, the I, are, so, some of the scores are fine. not kind. So I, I <laughs> We've been it out. Just to give you context, since on Sunday, that officially it was a 16-game losing streak. We have right. not been favored. Well, actually, we were favored on Sunday, believe it or not. But before that game, last season, we were not favored in a, si- a single game all last season. So it's not going to... Right. It, it, so, score predictions aren't going to face me. It's not, it's not so we have a Denver Gator coming in here with a score prediction of a 27 to 12. Um, yeah. A little bit kinder than kind of where I landed and, and where uh, sure. 6 to 10 landed. Uh, we have uh, Mundungus Creevy, the boss man, coming in, uh, forty-two to seven. Oh man, um, I think that might be the most aggressive of them all. Uh, however, as a Broncos fan, I'm obviously not going to complain if that comes true. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Avatar comes in, uh, thirty to fifteen. Um, th- those are that's a fairly common score you see in some games, so I, I could see yeah. something like that coming up. Um, and then we have. Uh, Mr. Johnny Baki coming in, uh, 35 to 10. Uh, that was uh, very similar to what uh, six foot ten came in with. Uh, EJ, uh, again, thank you very much for coming in, EJ. Uh, 38 to 10, a similar prediction there to to what we're talking about. By and large, it's sounding like most Broncos fans here are, are kind of thinking, sure, at best there'll be a single touchdown, probably in the back end of the game when we've kind of subbed out some of our main guys, maybe to, to kind of keep them healthy. Sure. And, you know that may well be uh, kind of where we land. Now, before we leave, there's a belt, and and it has come up multiple times in the chat. Yeah. Um, before we end out to the uh, to the lead out here of the show, Ty. Uh, yeah. You mind telling us about that, please? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't have it. 
in, in the same room right now. But yeah, so basically I was involved. It's the same organization that uh, the Mile High Profit was just inducted to uh, about a month ago. Um, Pro Football's Ultimate Fan Association. We have a charity challenge. This is um, where every year there is a fan. Um, we each raise money for charity. The person that raises the most money for charity leading up to that team's game, they get the belt for that year. Then come the, our annual reunion is Hall of Fame weekend in Canton, Ohio every every year. Yeah. So then a year from now, you know, I'll challenge someone else. So basically this year, a Texans fan that had won it last year raised the most money. So then he challenged me leading up to our week one game, you know, whoever, you know, in this charity challenge. I chose uh, the Jaguars Foundation to raise money for. Um, uh, they do a lot of stuff in the community. Uh, one of the coolest things that first caught my attention with them is that kids who can't afford to go to games, they send all these underprivileged kids to the to their first Jaguars game, and they introduce them, and they get to see you know the players and everything. And so to me, that was what first caught my attention. But they do so much more in the community. Long story short, we yeah we had about five to six weeks to raise funds uh, for the charity challenge. Um, and leading up to kickoff, I was able to win uh, with a total of just around $13,000 um, I was able to raise for the Jaguars Amazing. Foundation. Yeah. Um, with the help from, like I said, it was not, I don't take credit, like it was me that did it. Yeah. I had a whole army of people, friends, supporters. So, it, I mean, it all the credit goes to them. I mean, I was humbled to raise that much in such a short amount of time. Um, like I said, it, it's a great, you know, it's a great thing. I was able to raise a lot of money for them. And um, yeah, and like I said, I've always been involved in charity work, but this is by far was like the biggest thing I took on for saying, you know, of this magnitude to be able to raise that much was really humbling. But also knowing how many, you know, families and kids I'm going to be able to help, you know, with that money I gave to them is means the world to me. So we may have lost on the field Sunday, but man, I feel like I want, you know, I mean, it meant a lot to me to be able to give that money to the foundation. So, I mean, I, in my mind, I still won though, because I was able to do that. So. That's fantastic. Uh, that is, uh, that, that's really, I mean, I, I don't care what fan of what team. I mean, that's sure. just awesome. Um, Appreciate it. I mean, it's going to a great cause. You sent that DM to me too late. I oh, wasn't, you're good. I wasn't able to jump in soon enough. Uh, you you got to reach back out a little well, earlier. Hey, next year I have the now. bell and I'll be challenging someone. I haven't even thought, I mean, that that's still a year off, but I'll have yeah, it again. So, so you need to pre-plan those DMs a little bit yes. you know, more in advance. And, uh, oh, and this didn't help that it was, it was leading up to week one. Usually, you know, our teams may play, you know, week eight or seven. We just happen to play week one. That's just how the schedule, right. you know, how it unfold, right. how unfolded. But with that being said, even that, even in that short amount of time, me and my opponent, uh, the ultimate fan from Houston, combined, we still in the history of this belt, we were we still raised the most between us in one year out of anyone that has ever done it before. That's and all the other challenges have been later in the season. We were able to accomplish that, and then some before even week one kicked off. So that was just amazing. But yeah, next year, like I said, I'll uh, definitely be hitting you guys. <laughs> No, you know that's uh, that, I love hearing that kind of stuff, and sure. uh, I think uh, having that published out there, uh, I think uh, the Jaguars Foundation, uh, you know, it would be good for you to get that out. I'm happy to tweet that back out from my account to kind of get that sure. back out there. And thank you for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that about does just, it today. Before, before you close it, I just want to say one quick thing. I totally saw that going a different direction when I, because I'm a huge wrestling fan. 
So when they were talking about a belt, I was thinking that maybe you met Tony Khan, the son. The oh, Jaguar the AEW. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, well, maybe yeah. you met Tony Khan, All Elite Wrestling. Maybe he gave you a championship belt, and then maybe you were going around trying to challenge like other super fans. So oh I, yeah, I no, it's not... my mind went elsewhere on that. You're uh, good. Going back to what Rich said, uh, I will gladly retweet your um, uh, charity. Sure. I appreciate it, guys. Thank, Thank you so you much again for having me on. Always enjoy talking football with you guys. So, No, uh, Ty, Ty is great. Uh, on behalf of Broncos country, it's always awesome talking football. Jags sure. is our next op- opponent. At the end of the day, we are all fo- football fans and fans of the NFL. So right. it's always awesome having uh, other super fans on and fans of other teams on having sure. civil dialogue and talking about kind of how we stack up against each other. I always enjoy these types of talks. So again, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, that's about to do us today for Broncos talk on Tuesday, the 14th of September, man, it's getting late in the year. Uh, we have, <laughs> we have other shows on the MHRT network that includes our flagship podcast the uh mile high roundtable that is on thursdays at seven six five four you can figure out those time zones yourself and then we have nothing rhymes with orange and blue with uh mr johnny Baki, and he has a real name but we're gonna call him pookie knight and <laughs> sorry isaiah i know you hate that uh <laughs> and they are on fridays uh seven six five four again time zones you can figure those ones out yourself and last but not least, our newest addition to the Mile High Network, and that is The Neighborhood, this time, which will air in its entirety in one take. This coming weekend, just before the Broncos game, about hour, hour and a half before, and we go right up to when kickoff starts. I believe, if I am not mistaken, the Jags game, we will have our very own Mile High Profit as our tailgate sideline reporter. Oh, Profit. Yeah, our tailgate sideline reporter here for the MHRT network. And we're going to then go into our own discussions as we always do. And with that in mind, we're going to go in to what our staple is here on the MHRT network. And that's a Mile High Five. Now, Ty, you were not here when we first did this the last time uh, in person. So we're just going to ask you a quickly stretch. We would love for you to join into the Mile High Five. It is our goal as part of this podcast to have this in in Bronco Stadium, have broadcast and everyone do this. It is a Mile High Five. We are going to go ahead and quickly say and go. And then you clap above your head like a Mile High Mountain. And that's kind of what we go for here on MHRT Network. Okay. Are we ready? Yes. Oh, yeah. All right. Mile high five. Woo! Woo! Thank you. I appreciate. And hey, <laughs> I realize this isn't your team, so the effort was appreciated. Right. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, man. That's-